0: It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All
1: right. Sounds good. Let's do this.
0: He's just the fourth head coach in history of that program, which I find extremely interesting. Uh, he's going to be on with us here a little bit to, uh, talk, uh, about him getting that job, uh, where Purdue currently is in the Big Ten landscape when it comes to, uh, uh men's swimming and diving and uh, what it's going to take for uh, him to take this uh, program up to the next level. So that'll be a very interesting conversation. We've got plenty to talk about here. So uh, let's not dilly-dally. Let's get started like we always do. It's the need-to-know news. Here's your need-to-know news. All right, why not, uh, why not start with a little bit of Cubs baseball? Surpri- shocked that they could not take advantage last night of the high winds blowing out to left center. I mean, that is the place to, uh, to hit it out to. Literally, that short part, left center. 20-mile-an-hour winds. And they can't take advantage of that one. They lose 6-2. Snapped a four-game win streak. James Altman hit a grand slam and a second home run as the Dodgers ruled. Cody Bellinger got a homer. James Tyen, uh hit the DL, a 10-day DL before the game with a groin issue. So Javier Assad stepped in. Three innings, three hits, two solo homers, three strikeouts. Threw 62 pitches through those uh, three innings. Cubbies pitchers racked up a total of 10 strikeouts. It's just the bats were quiet. Wisdom six-game streak came to an end. Remember I was singing his praises? He's hitting 138 at home this season. 0 for 4 last night. Game 2 is going on right now. It is 3-0 Cubbies in the middle of the third. Saya Suzuki with a double that scored happen. Swanson and then uh, Nico Horner. Uh, with a single so I believe the wind is blowing pretty decently back out again today we'll see if the Cubs can take advantage of it Drew Smiley three innings thrown here already up to 44 pitches six strikeouts though so he's dealing you like to see that White Sox had the uh, night off last night they're in Tampa tonight Kopech will hit them out against Calvin Foucher Kopek has given up seven home runs and three starts this season, and as luck would have it. Guess who sits atop the major league standings in Homer's hit? Dang it. Uh, good news though, uh his road start, copex was his best start of the season. The other two were at home. And against this Rays lineup, he has a career, and, and he's faces about everybody twice. He's one for 13, two walks, and three strikeouts. that's what tampa bay batters are against him lifetime so i'm not saying there's a chance i'm just saying that's uh i'm 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 trying to be a sunny uh, a glass half full guy i'm trying to have a sunny disposition here trying to give you some hope because to be honest with you i am uh i don't have a ton um Purdue baseball kicks off the back half of the Big Ten season tonight. They're in Maryland uh, taking on the Terps. Six and three in the conference are the Terrapins. All-time Maryland leads the series 12-4, to but Maryland, uh, when they play the series at home, is just five and four. So there you go. Mike Bolt Jr. needs three stolen bases to set the program's career record. Seems to be that he's going to get there. Uh, the Purdue soccer team plays its final spring exhibition game against Valparaiso tomorrow twelve thirty full Field admission is free for all fans. Boilermakers will wrap up the spring slate with that game. Uh, women's golf kicked off the Big Ten Championships today. They are out in uh, Pittsburgh at Fox Chapel. I don't know. That's a, I, all I know. is That's a ritzy part of town, man. Uh, I don't get to. <laughs> I wasn't old enough to play golf out that way. Certainly not on that course. Uh, anyway, uh, Purdue is up to 7th right now, 13 over. Uh, they've got players on 16 through 18 right now. So there's a chance to maybe move into the top 5, uh, which would need uh, uh, 10 over. So you're looking at 3 birdies to get down that low. Uh, they are tied with IU at 13 over right now. When uh, you go over the player leaderboards, though, it's Momo Sugiyama who is in the lead here for Purdue. It's a three-way tie at first. She's in the clubhouse uh, with a 69. There is an Ohio State player that is also at two under, but uh, she's still got two holes left to play. So uh, we got some stuff to uh, monitor here. Go Momo. That's, she's 86 ranked player in the country. Let's go. See if she can hold on there. But that's a good first round for her. Um, she was good. She had a tournament a couple of weeks ago where she was really, really, she set some like Boilermaker record, I think, or was it like uh, she was second all time in uh, in a round that she put up. So yeah, I think uh, she's in a great position to do something here. So fingers crossed. Uh, General manager of the Colts, Chris Ballard, uh, spoke to the press today, pre-draft uh, press conference, scoffed at the notion that anybody knows what the Colts are thinking why? Because the Colts don't know what they're thinking. Uh, he said today at the press conference the draft board is not set in concrete and any reports about the Colts' thinking doesn't come from him. Quote, there's a misconception out there that we've targeted one player. I think you zeroed in on a player. I think you're still targeting a couple because anything can happen in those first couple of three picks. So he's not exactly lying, but how many times have I told you you cannot trust him? anybody. What they say between now and probably, you know, like Friday, you just can't trust anybody. They're all making stuff up. They don't want you on the scent of what they want to do, which is the way it is. I respect it. It's fine, but don't tell me that. He even said like later in the press conference that he'll answer pretty directly, but sometimes he'll dance around the question if he doesn't want to answer it. Like, I do not believe you are giving me the direct info, man. Come on, please. Don't forget, we will have draft coverage for you. Starting on Thursday, we've got you covered right here on 101.7 The Hammer. So uh, if you can't make it to a uh, TV or, you know, maybe you're on the golf course, I don't know. It could be nice on Thursday. Uh, make sure that uh, you have us on here. We have you covered. All right. How do we do last night? Did I give you another NBA winner? By the, just by the hair of my chinny chin chin, we covered last night. That four and a half in Philadelphia. Did I tell you Tyrus Maxey too? Did I tell you it was going to be a good night for him? Boy, he scared the heck out of me, man. He went 10 points that first quarter and then it was like getting in the middle of fourth and he only had 15 total. I'm like, this dude's not going to get to 20, is he? This is not going to happen. But our friends over at DraftKings will still give you that no-sweat same-game parlay or same-game parlay X again. Uh, I went with those two legs from the 76ers, put the avalanche on there, and uh, made myself a nice little, little, little money there going on the weekend. Stanley Cup no-sweat bet for you tonight as well, so you can jump on that. Get a plus 200-odd surge on any goal scorer in Edmonton and L.A. tonight. I can tell you that I feel like... You want to take somebody from Edmonton still? I know they're going to be in L.A. tonight. But it's hard to not... It's hard to walk away from Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. But get a plus 200 bonus on that. I mean... You could take Kopitar. Somebody sent me some uh, good stats on Victor Arvidson that he would shoot. But, I mean... The top five guys on odds to score first are all Oilers. So, yeah, I would probably go there. You could probably pick any five of those. Evander Kane does pretty good in the playoffs. I don't know. Do I want to tell you to take Connor McDavid, who's like the best player in the world right now? Right, Nugent Hopkins has, oh, that's an assist. I know he'll be there. I don't know. I think I go sidle. I'll take sidle. I want the extra 150 in the odds. He has three goals in the series already and has a goal in six of uh, 10 and 10 of his last 20 games. He's the hot hand right now. I'll go with sidle. That'll get you boosted to 11-1 to on your money tonight. Didn't dig a ton in the NBA. NBA is getting weird right now. Everybody's getting hurt or suspended or just, I don't know. That's my pick right there. I'll take Sidle. I think Edmonton probably wins tonight, too. I think, I don't know. Do I want to take the Celtics? See, I didn't even really do my research on NBA, so I I hesitate to give you anything. Um, MLB... Cubs up five to nothing already. White Sox. I mean, am I gonna get a good road performance out of Kopek? I can't trust him at all tonight. I may just stick with hockey. I've done a ton of due diligence in uh, in baseball either. I'd be shooting from the hip there. Those are the plays. That's what I got for you. Uh, Tonight. So, uh, best of luck. Hopefully, I get you something. Don't go crazy on that first. I'm just saying, you get the 11 to 1 odds, you might as well take it. Don't forget to use your no sweat bets. Pick up something there, and uh, let's see if we can make some dreams come true. Don't go anywhere. We're going to come right back. Um, I I was really excited uh, that we have another first time coach to talk to Alex Jordan. He's the new head coach of men's swimming and diving, only the fourth head coach in Purdue men's swimming and diving history I mean, you're taking over for a legend that's tough uh and he's a program alum too so I want to talk to him a little bit about uh where Purdue was at in the Big Ten I'll talk a little bit about what recruiting is like we'll talk a little bit about what this team is like in, in his coaching philosophy so stick around it's a great interview you don't want to miss it he's next this is the Hammer Down Show. <laughs> Welcome back to the Hammer Down show on 1017 the hammer 1017TheHammer.com. All right, we're gonna go over to our Hammerhead Hotline and we're gonna bring in your brand new head coach, uh, Purdue Men's Swimming and Diving. Alex Durden is on with us, coach. First and foremost, congratulations here. Um, this is not a position that comes open very often. You are just what the fourth head coach in this uh program's history. That is uh Boy, that's that, that's something. I think that's really special that uh, you get to join such a a small group, a, a small fraternity of coaches uh, that have been here at Purdue. Congratulations!
1: Yeah, well, thanks so thanks so much, and thanks for having me on the show. Uh, as far as the longevity that the coaches before me have undertaken, uh, I I think that that's a huge um, that's a huge deal, and and I think uh, when in the coaching world, at least in swimming. When I ask uh, other coaches uh, around the state and around the country what makes a good coach, um, the longer you can stay in the sport it usually means that you're adaptable and you're just really good with people. So I got to learn from Dan Ross uh, about that and uh, about the tenets of the team that he thought were important, and I think that that's um, lended itself to a long and successful career for him.
0: So here you are. You are an alum of the program as well. Uh, I got to think it's just about every alum's dream to uh, come back and uh, coach uh, their school here. So uh, you get to live that out. Dan Ross, such a legendary figure in the swimming community. What were his uh, words of advice to you uh, when you got this job? Was did he happen? Was there like a a quip or just any kind of general feedback he gave you? What was the What was the thing that he told you about taking this job?
1: Well. The, when I first called him after I got the job, uh, <laughs> he knew before I knew, I think. And, uh, the advice he gave me was just to keep it really simple. Um, don't try to do too much in a short amount of time. Uh, make sure to pe- keep people first. Um, uh, because the, no- the, the number one team, or as the seniors who departed this year said, rule zero on this team is to love your teammates. And, uh, we take care of each other in that regard. And, And if you do that and you can just try to remain consistent um, and keep your family first, that's something that Dan has always modeled and he's always talked about, um, then it will be a a great year for you and and a great year for the guys as well.
0: We're talking with new uh, men's swimming and diving coach Alex Jordan here on the Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, There's... uh... I mean, comparable here now. This is a this is a bit of a youth movement with you in here, as a, as opposed to Coach Ross and Sully his age or anything. But uh, this is definitely a little bit of a jump. But you know, you you've been on the staff here. You you have worked with the youth a, as well. So, I don't, tell me a little bit about how they react to you, and tell me what is important to young swimmers who. Uh, or, or maybe trying to make that jump to the collegiate level? Uh, h- how are you connecting with them? What's important to them these days?
1: Well, uh, you, you know, a couple of things there. So I I, I really appreciate this team uh, on a whole lot of levels. Uh, you know, I'm not a whole lot older than they are. At least I don't seem that way uh, to them, and I try to keep, uh, keep myself and my personality as young as I can um and i think it lends itself to relatability uh there is some uh some jousting that goes on between me and the guys and it's just it's really friendly banter um and they they like a good challenge and i think that's sort of ubiquitous amongst young men in sports right they want to they want to feel that you're in a position to lead them and then also to challenge them and i think that they respond well when you're able to do both um and then the the challenge also is sort of amplified and and means a little bit more when um, they already know that you care about them. And so the thing that I told them, um, you know, when the day I took the job was, you know, today's my last day as assistant and tomorrow I have a new role, but the job doesn't really change because my, my aim is to help you as much as I can. And if I can convey that with effort and with patience, um I think that they understand that they have a, a partner in a coach and that allows them to feel free to train and, and work hard and, and do the very best they can. Uh, as it pertains to to, to youth, right, uh, I have some experience in age group coaching uh, and then also high school coaching as well. My number one tactic, honestly, is to sit down and just talk. Uh, that's that's the thing I love to do the most uh, with the guys here and then also teams of the past. Uh, I can remember when I was a club coach and a high school coach before practice every day or maybe at the end of practice if we were able to get done what we needed to do early, Uh, we just sit down and, and have a chat and it would, it would be mutual or it'd be something that I, um, or mutual engagement or something that I had witnessed earlier in the day. And it might not always be swimming related. It might just be life related. And I think when you're able to connect with somebody on something other than the level of your sport, then you have a connection that can last and, and, and be, uh, something more than, than just the X's and O's and nuts and bolts of swimming laps down the pool.
0: And new men's uh, swimming coach Alex Jordan on with us here on the Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, what is recruitment like in in swimming? Um, I, I think a, a lot of our listeners they get an idea, that, and we had this talk with Coach Bird over at uh, women's golf not too long ago. You know, the, the big ones I think fans are familiar with are you know like basketball and football. They know about the camps, and you know people put the highlights and stuff out. Uh, swimming is it's it's a little bit different isn't it because now we have this great scoreboard that it is really it's indisputable I mean it's it's time, right and, and, and while you sure. have that, uh certainly you are watching guys to 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 try to develop them and say hey I can, I can work with this and stuff, but talk a little bit about what it's like to try to recruit in in, in the swimming world and, and maybe what might be a little bit different. I know you spoke a lot about relationships there and and certainly every coach probably does that with their teams, but uh m- maybe what people might not realize what are the hurdles in and, and what is kind of your style when it comes to recruiting?
1: Well, recruiting is one of the, the, the joys of my job. And I, I didn't know that I would like it as much as I currently do when I became Dan's assistant, but it sort of sort of grew on me. Um, you know, like you said, the, the time is the ultimate measuring stick, but the, there are some other sort of, uh, qualities in these swimmers that you're looking for, um, that you, you've sort of got to vet them. Um, with questions and it's it's not a process of like an interview it's just sort of understanding how they handle experiences when they go to meets yes the time tells me one thing and that is immediately published to my phone Uh, but the conversation tells you an entirely different story as well right there may be quite a bit of context and I think what what swimming has turned into is um, yes you've raced this race yes you got this time but what are the conditions upon which you did? And several, you know, ways that people describe that are, oh, I, I did that unsuited. And that doesn't necessarily mean you didn't have a suit on. It just means you didn't have a technical suit on. You didn't have a racing suit on yet. It was a practice suit instead. Um, and it's widely accepted, um, that, you know, those technical suits do help you go quite a bit faster. They promote a better body position, this kind of stuff. Um, and then there's also the a factor of rest, right? How many days did you have? to rest before this, where you fully tapered, where you have tapered. I find that a lot of swimmers like to qualify those things, but some of the best ones, honestly, just appreciate going fast and calling a swim what it is. Uh, and then the last, the last thing that I really like to work with is, um, how they swim. So video is ubiquitous in this sport now. I mean, it's, it's being transmitted across multiple media outlets, um, all the time. You can pretty much get your hands on a race video when and however you want. Um, and so being able to watch how they produce that time tells me a little bit about their potential, right? Their body size, the type of training that they do at home. Um, have they, have they been working on, you know, capacity or they have been working on their speed particularly? And then how, how does the program that I'm running, how does that match up with what they're currently doing at their club team? Um, if it, if it fits the progression and I think they've got really good strokes or I think there's something there that they can work on that I, I'm, I know I'm capable of helping them with, then that's a good match. Um, but all the guys that we've brought in here in the last two seasons for 24, which will be, of course, quite a ways from now and then this fall, um, they're all really good students. They all came on visits and they all really, uh, you know, blended well with the guys. And I think that's a, that's a huge thing about our team that sets us apart. I know a lot of teams think we've got a great, family for a culture. Uh, We don't really talk about family on a Purdue Purdue men's team. We just kind of are. And it's something that you can only feel when you're on the visit and you're interacting with the the guys on a weekend. And um, I'm really proud of that. And I tell the guys that all the time.
0: We're talking with uh, new Purdue men's swim coach Alex Jordan here on our Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, Lastly, uh, kind of give me the landscape of the Big Ten and men's swimming now. Where does Purdue fit into that? And to get where you want to go, uh, what does Purdue need to do here over the next several seasons?
1: Well, the, un- unfortunately, the, the recent lay of the land in the Big Ten is that we've, we've lost a few really uh, important and storied programs in Iowa and Michigan State. Um, those men's teams were cut um and actually they're working on being reinstated i'm not so sure that the future is bright for iowa but probably is a little bit brighter for michigan state that that seems to be going pretty well uh, but the big 10 is one of the most successful conferences in the country um and definitely one of the most competitive ones um you know if you if you look at schools who are running the the show at the in the top 3 um you know in in ohio state and iu uh, those are some really strong, extremely quality programs that have had head coaches at the helm for quite some time. I, I as a matter of fact, you know, I've, I've growing up in Bloomington, I've been around the IU program for some time. I have a, a heck of a lot of respect for the work that they do and the way that they go about what they're doing. And so, deservedly, you know, they've won uh, several Big Ten championships here in the last five years. Um, so, for Purdue, where do we fit in? Well. You know, I think we, we have the talent that we need, and we're getting better in terms of talent that we're recruiting. But we are also um, in a position where developing these guys into NCAA-caliber swimmers is, is of the utmost importance. And that's sort of our, our aim in the background. But really what we've got to do is be better on a day-to-day basis. And if we can win workouts on a, on a, on a, on a weekly basis, on a daily basis – that's going to translate uh into confidence that that matriculates you know uh over the course of the season and helps us finish a little bit better than we are now um and we've got a plan to do that and i think that's the that's the number one thing uh the, the plan shows us where we want to go how we want to get there uh guys are bought into that plan and uh i'm really excited um for me it's just in, enjoying each and every day with them is probably more important than the results at the end of the season um you can't just do the work for one moment, way out in the future, um, you got to do the work for now because you enjoy it and you enjoy being around the teammates so you can race.
0: You you are a uh, former swimmer. Uh, do you still get in? Do you still do? You still get in the boys and uh, crank some laps out here and there. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I only swim
1: once a year, and that's on my birthday. And I do, however old I'm going to become, uh, times a hundred yards. So uh, it's very painful, and it reminds me that swimming is incredibly hard. <laughs> But I I do enjoy it, and uh, that tradition was started, um, you know, at least in my circle, for by a coach that I used to swim for when I was in high school, and I and so I started that myself. Who knows all Who knows how long I'll be doing hundreds, but. Maybe when I get to fifty I'll I'll change it to fifty.
0: There that that sounds like the plan. Or it should just be like me, be born on Christmas. There's no pools open on Christmas. You don't have to worry about knocking it out then on your birthday. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh Coach Alex Jordan, he's the new head coach of the men's swimming and diving program over at Purdue Buddy. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh congratulations yet again and I can't wait to see uh where this program goes in the future.
1: Yeah, thanks so much and uh keep an eye and that's where we're
0: making st- Back on the hammer here. Big thanks to Coach there. Um, always interesting the conversations uh, when we talk to the Olympic sport coaches, I think. I absolutely love it when we get into a, a little bit of the recruiting talk. I, I know they don't ever want to disclose like everything, but I mean, there, there's in, in that sport, like you said, there is. So much. There's, there's more that goes into it than just hey, you got the timesheet here. Let's go. And then you know, talking about to how much easier it is uh, than it was a decade ago to be able to bring up you know video of stuff. You know, it's it, it's much easier to do that, and so it changes the landscape a little bit and how you you know th- this and track. It's always interesting to me too. Is you know, how do you identify First off, your type of athletes, and then how do you identify um, somebody who has the room for improvement versus where they're already at? And, and it just, it, that that's very complex, I think. I don't think it's easy in that sport. And, you know, again, it's another one where you have to go out and, and find uh, these guys. And then, of course, you know, you all of a sudden go out because mean In the summer, they go to the long course, and you know the winter you got the short course, and then you know you're, it's it's a it can be a mess. So I, I don't envy him, but uh, he seems like he has the right attitude about it. I think we got another great boilermaker coach, and uh, really uh, can't uh, thank him enough for his time here, uh, for uh, coming on the show here. So uh, best of luck to our uh, men's swimming and diving team. It's uh, it's now official. First downs. Running clock in the NCAA outside the final two minutes of each half. They say this will lower the uh, plays by an average of seven per game. Seven plays. This doesn't seem like a whole lot. But if you... And, again, the way I read this was it was seven plays overall. I couldn't tell if it was seven plays per team. I'm assuming it's just seven per game. So let's go ahead and say you do that by three, you know, let's average it out for a single team, three and a half. Even if you do not go to your, if you don't go to your conference championship game, you just play 12 games. You've saved 42 plays a game, or 42 plays on a season. Now, let's say you are going all the way to the national championship game. Okay, so you've got your 12 that you're playing, you've got your conference championship makes it 13, and then two in the playoffs. So now we're up the. So, I'm sorry, 12 plus the thing is 13. Uh, four to, so We're talking 15 games, right? Did I do that right? So you go ahead and you max out by 15. All of a sudden, we're up to 52 plays on average that your team does not have to be out there for. So we're talking in, in a national championship game season, We've got teams out there that, quite frankly, you're saving almost, what, an entire game a season? By not doing this? One would think this is a pretty good idea, and all you're doing is just killing the the, the first downs. That's pretty good. Now, I think part of the reason that they want to do this is because eventually they're going to expand the college football playoff. You are going to have to get another game or two in there. They do not want to take out a game in the conference season. That is everybody's making money off of that stuff. I think there is a secret method to the madness, but for a wide majority of teams, to be able to do that i think you're saving i mean you you're really helping a lot of players you really really are like even if you were to save what 42 plays on a season you're playing for 4 years it's 168 times if you're a lineman that you're not getting hit 168 extra times where you're not going to get rolled up on. I don't think it's a bad thing. As much as I love the comebacks, and yeah, that will hurt a little bit. It will allow a team with the lead to be able to milk it a little bit better. This is really good for player safety as a whole. I mean you just see too many especially the big guys up front, too many of them hurt way too way too early, you know missing careers and stuff so i I think it's a good thing I really do. I was ready to kind of rail on it when they announced that they were going to do what they were thinking about doing this, but I think that's great, and that leads us into spring game or sorry well final spring practice, which will be. Uh, Tomorrow, Inside Mollenkopf. Tom Deanhart's going to be on with us on Monday to talk a little bit more about that. I, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, didn't we? On what to expect here, and I don't think we're going to get a whole lot. Certainly, we're not going to be able to watch some of the, I'm assuming there's going to be a little bit of a scrimmage. Aspect to it, it's not just going to be the you know the drills and stuff. It's the final practices, a lot of alumni will be in attendance. You know, families will be able to be in attendance. You know, regular folks. We just can't. Uh, it's not. You just don't have the room in Mollenkopf either. For being honest, but the, it not being on TV, we went over it yesterday. It all makes sense. It's probably the right decision as well. But you get all this news inside, I'm chomping at the bit. I'm ready to go. I, I, I want to get a glimpse of this team here. And I said, an unfortunately, you're not going to be able to do that. But now that this is official, with the new timing and everything too, I am, uh, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan of that. It'll, it will kill a couple of big, large comebacks. I get that. I think in general, it'll be okay, though. I, I really do. And if it improves player safety, then uh, why wouldn't you be all for it as a fan? You should be. All right, we're going to take our final break here. We'll come back. Things we may have missed and more. We'll wrap it up here for the week on the Hammer Down Show. And welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 the Hammer 1017thehammer.com. Trying to wrap it up, get you to the weekend here. Let's get some of the things that we may have missed. Max Scherzer has been suspended 10 games after being kicked off for. Was, Hands were too sticky. He was very upset about that. He uh, talked about it in the post game. Uh, kind of ran through the scenario. Said it was you know nothing more than uh, sweat and rosin. Uh, but the uh, umpire said his hands uh, were too tacky, and uh, he was then ejected. Now I've seen this before, where Trevor Bauer has done uh, like look here's how you do it right. Hands a little bit wet. Get a little rosin on there. Then you know. Then you know you want your uh, the sweat off your hair. You know, man, inside your face. Mix it with a little more rosin right there, and then boom, you got the tackiness. That's pretty good. Scherzer even went out and switched gloves. Had it checked. Like I don't have anything on here. Now he was going to protest this. He was going to appeal. Now. He is not going to appeal. I'm a little surprised for as adamant as he has been that he's not going to go into this. Max says, I thought I was going to get in front of a neutral arbitrator, but I wasn't. It was going to be through the MLB. Given that process, I wasn't going to come out on top. I was charged with a crime, and uh, I was going to go through a. I would still want to, I was pretty sure I would still want to go ahead and plead my case. If I'm that annoyed with it, I would like to at least annoy the heck out of somebody over MLB. I would like my pound of flesh, so to speak, He's not going to take it. That seems like a red flag for a guy that likes to yell at people over things. I'm not saying he's cheating. If it is just the sweat and the rosin, then it's the sweat and the rosin. The man does make $43.3 million a season, though. And I do believe that there are a majority of these pitchers... that have the big money at stake or, you know, they're trying to hang on in the show, I I believe they will do just about anything to stay there and and to stay in those good graces and and to continue to make that money. I believe it. I'm not saying they all do it, but I guarantee you there is a large contingent. Just like when we talk about sports and steroids and we talk about these people that are twilight and they've got a choice. They can take them Roll the dice and sign the big contract and stay. Or they could try to do it the natural way. And then maybe they get like a leg minimum or, or not or, or nothing. And then they fade to obscure. When you when you were when there's that much money on the line, I understand. Don't condone it. I understand it though. But without going in and taking a look at what the spin rates have been like historically for Scherzer. And I know I can do that. I know I can find the stats on that. I'm surprised he's that's. This is the red alarm. This is the this is the red flag for me that he's not still going to go to the MLB, sitting there plead his case. And if it is just the rosin and the sweat. Make a big enough deal about it that the Major League Baseball has to do something about it. He's doing. It seems like he's doing it in the rules. I don't know. They could come out with stuff. I know they're tricky, man. They really are. They can be. Some guys are still very adamant with the. You know, you'd see it on the gloves and stuff. I don't know. I just don't know with him. Uh, also, you may have gotten the uh, ESPN alert today that five have been suspended from the NFL. Lions players Jameson Williams, C.J. Moore, and Quintez Sivas, plus Commanders Shaka Toney, are all, uh, they, they have been suspended. Shaka Toney, indefinitely at least one year. Williams and Detroit Stanley Berry Hill are suspended six games. Why the difference? The three that got the year, according to Rappaport, bet on NFL games. Big no-no. Calvin Ridley learned that lesson. He wasn't even playing in those games. He wasn't even the team facilities. And they gave him the year. Should have been the wake-up call. Meanwhile, um, the other two allegedly bet on college games at the team's facilities. Which makes... I I get it. They've got rules. You need to know the rules. And football is going to do everything it can to protect the integrity of the game from that aspect. Even though I, I think it's a fool's errand... Certainly, players in the past and probably in the future will take money on the side to throw games constantly, but it's not something that you need to be thinking about during these NFL games. The NFL games, the NFL does not want you thinking about that. That's why it's so serious that even if you're, you know, at the practice facility, you're at the team hotel, you can't, you just can't. Those are the rules. And as much as I'd like to say, they're not gambling on pro football. What's the problem where they do it? It's not like they can't go to the casinos. Why they play and gamble? What's the big deal? It is the rule, much like with some of the substances where you say that's not gonna, that's not doing it. It's the rule. You're responsible, and you're getting paid a handsome amount of money. It's the other thing that kills me. You guys make billions of dollars. Is that not enough? You can risk it all on this. Boy, how big are those parlays that you're hitting? That you're willing to risk your NFL salary to gamble? It makes zero sense to me. All right, that's going to do it for the show. Come back on Monday, 3 o'clock. Tom Dean Hart will be our guest. He'll recap everything and everybody that was out at Purdue's final spring game tomorrow. So he'll be back with us here on Monday from goldenblack.com. I'll see you then.